Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Open God's Word to Matthew chapter 5 and perhaps be encouraged, learn something, and uh, be challenged in our walk with the Lord. There was a a young man, oh, you can picture this, he kneeled in front of this beautiful young lady, Placid Lake background, sweetheart, uh, I want you to know that I love you more than life itself, and I want you to marry me. I know I'm not a wealthy man. I know that I don't own a Rolls Royce. I know I don't have lots of money like my friend Johnny, but I love you with all my heart. Would you please marry me? The young lady paused for a moment, said, Darling, I love you with all of my heart too. But before I say yes, can you tell me a little bit more about Johnny? <laughs> a, humorous illustra- a humorous illustration Uh, I say it simply for this reason. People have this deep hunger for many things. And people are looking for something. And people are yearning for something today. Uh, We are marked by this pursuit of ambition. And we're marked by a want for money and recognition and power and influence and acceptance and fame. And like an impassioned hunting dog, we keep our noses to the trail and our backs to the wind with that quest that's ever before us. Is I want more. I want more. Our text today says this. Matthew 5 and verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Father, I pray that you will help each one of us to be able to just, uh, for a few moments, set aside distracting thoughts of, of where we're going to eat lunch or something I have to do this afternoon or somebody I need to talk with. And Father, could we just pause long enough to hear from your word something that could help us hunger and thirst after you. And Lord, I know that you'll fill us if we have the right hunger and thirst. So Lord, bless this message. Only words that you approve of be spoken, and then may every one of us be a willing listener this morning. We love you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Almost every news story of scandal or criminal action is about someone trying to fill his inner hunger for that which is control or power or money. Do we need to look any further than Washington, D.C.? Even the media circus surrounding uh, the Trump indictments are about who can break a, a story first or have the best presentation and get the, no, the most uh, clicks on their social media. Every day, corporations, they plan new campaigns and new buyouts and new mergers in order that they can become the top dog. Sports is always about a hunger to win, to be the best. And really, you, you're not much of anything if you're not the best. 
Reminds me of a story I read about a group of Korean businessmen. Uh, they were visiting an American textile mill, and the owner of the mill, he was giving this grand tour, a wealthy man, and, and he was telling a humorous, funny story along the way. And, and then the Korean businessmen, they laughed heartily, and the American asked, the translator said, uh, you cannot possibly translate that story in so few words. What did you say? And the Korean translator said, all I said was, fat man with big checkbook told funny story. Laugh. Uh, statistics show us that today, sadly, 45 to 50 percent of our marriages end in divorce. Why? Because we are often hungering and we're thirsting for fulfillment and satisfaction uh, uh, in relationships and a new relationship and then a new relationship. Some try to fill their hunger by enhancing their bodies and they work long hours in the gym and they restrict their diet to only the healthiest foods and, and thinking that if their bodies look good enough, that they're healthy enough, that their inner Desire and inner craving will be filled. We go to any extreme to gain what we're looking for. Do you realize, even think about this, our Declaration of Independence even declares in writing that we have the right of the pursuit of happiness. Now, the Founding Fathers, they did not guarantee the attainment of happiness because that's beyond their power, but they wrote that we could pursue happiness. Sadly, sadly, most of our lives are lived in this great country and, and never do we attain true happiness. And here's the problem. May I share with you the problem this morning in light of our text verse? Our thinking is flawed. Our thinking is flawed. Um, there's no amount of money and power and fame and relationships or success that can fill the hungry part of our souls. And God created within each of us a sense of inner emptiness. And God created us with a need. And we all have a hunger to fill this need. However, it cannot be filled apart from God. And this world is seeking to fill this inner hunger and this inner craving everywhere but a relationship with God. Jesus calls us to realize that this is called spiritual hunger. Back in verse number 3, we learned a couple of weeks ago that we must be poor in spirit and recognize our own sinfulness and our own spiritual poverty. And in verse number 4, that causes us to mourn. And then we become aware of how awesome God is. And then we become meek before Him. And that's when we realize that that hunger that's within us is of a spiritual nature. And it is filled when we hunger and thirst after righteousness. As we've done in the previous messages, let's discover several key components of Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Discovery number one, let's look at the meaning of hunger. The meaning of hunger in this verse. Most of us have never known life-threatening hunger or thirst. Hunger and thirst, they're the, the body's warning system. During times of great spiritual concern and prayer, I've often fasted or prayed um, uh, during a mealtime or perhaps even a whole day. And I've learned that I'm hungry well, uh, for a while, but then that hunger just goes away. However, I've never hungered to the point that it became some type of obsession. 
There was an article written in Eternity, and E.M. Blaylock wrote about the liberation of Palestine that took place back during World War I. And there was a force of allied troops that pursued the Turks across uh, a desert expanse. And as the troops, as they passed Beersheba, uh, they outdistanced their camel train, and, the, and all of their water supplies were in the camel train. The truth of this uh, unfortunate incident is it was written that their mouths became dry, their heads ached, and they became dizzy and faint, and hundreds died. At nightfall, they finally made it to the wells of Sharia, and because of the sheer numbers, many had to wait as long as four hours to finally get a drink from that cistern. One of the officers wrote this, I believe that we all learned our first real Bible lesson on the march from Beersheba to the Sharia wells. If such were our thirst for God, for righteousness, and for His will in our lives, a consuming, all-embracing desire, how rich in the fruit of the Spirit would we be? Jesus uses the metaphor of our strongest desire in the physical realm to represent what our deepest desire should be for God. And that is that we should hunger and we should thirst for the righteousness of God. The Greek tense suggests a continuous longing for righteousness. It doesn't end. There's not a one-time event. It's continual. And the closer our one walks with God, the more closer he wants to be. And the more one knows the righteousness of God, the more righteous he hungers to become. It's an all-consuming passion. There's a parallel passage to Matthew 5 and verse number 6. It takes place in Luke chapter 6 and verse 21. And Jesus says, Blessed uh, are ye that hunger now, for ye shall, be fill, ye shall be filled. The problem is many people do not want righteousness now. People do not want to be righteous right now. They want to try to fill that emptiness with anything that will that was left for righteousness to fill now, but we'll fill it with anything that we deem satisfaction now. So an all-consuming desire for righteousness is obvious in true believers. Allow me to give you several examples from Scripture of people that hungered for righteousness from God. I look at the life of Moses. Moses, he hungered for more of God. Do you realize this is strange? I don't think anyone did this this week. You went out into the desert and you talked to a bush. We would deem that odd. But Moses was out in the desert, and the Bible says he talked to God through a burning bush. He saw God's power through the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. He saw the pillar of, uh, of cloud and the pillar of fire by day and by night, and he built God's tabernacle. Yet the Bible says in Exodus 33 and verse 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Moses, he had seen so much of God, but he still asked God, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. God, he puts Moses in the cleft of the rock. And uh, in other words, he hides Moses' face so that Moses could not see God uh, uh, directly. And the Bible says that he, he, he was allowed to see God's train, the glory of his train, his back part as he walked by. Oh, what a hunger Moses had for the things of God. David, he hungered for more of God. He said in Psalm 63 in verse number 1, Oh, God. Thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul 
thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in this dry and thirsty land where no water is. I'm so thankful for the example of Paul. Paul hungered for more of God. He had given up his own righteousness, which was of the law, and he found righteousness, which is through the faith of Christ. However, that was not enough for the Apostle Paul. He said this in Philippians 3 and verse 10, that he wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He was a man. The Bible says that God allowed him to be caught up into to the third heaven or heaven uh, where, where he heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter yet he longed to see Christ and he even said this for to me to live is Christ but to die is game oh I'm thankful for the example of Peter impetuous Peter Peter who was so quick to speak before he thought I can identify and Peter, though the Bible says hungered for God, he who walked and talked with the Lord said he still desired to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for these examples, but I'd like to ask you, do you ever hunger and thirst for the things of God? Would that be your testimony when someone looks at you in your life? No matter how much a person knows God, may I just tell you, there's more to know. No matter how much a person practices righteousness, there is more to be added. It's a quest that only ends when one steps foot into heaven. So I ask you, does this characterize your life? Well, discovery number two, we see, uh, uh, obviously, Pastor Armstrong, I need to hunger and thirst for, for uh, righteousness, but what are the goals of being spiritually hungry? Uh, let's look at the goals of spiritual hunger. We see, first of all, the goal of spiritual hunger for the unbeliever is simply this, salvation. When a person becomes poor in spirit, he, he recognizes his own sinfulness and he mourns over that sin and he becomes meek before God and begins to hunger and to thirst for God's righteousness. And the Bible says he'll be saved when he calls upon the name of the Lord. The Jews to whom Jesus spoke were always consumed with their own self-righteousness and what the, 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 the these and the thous and the do's and the do-nots. A person must abandon all hope of saving himself. And he must give up all confidence in his own goodness. And the Bible says he must hunger for God. By way of amen, have you hungered for God and found him as your Lord and Savior? God not only offers eternity in heaven, but comfort and peace and joy and companionship in this life. I want you to listen to me. The Bible says it's free. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It is freely available to you. And so instead of hungering and thirsting for the satisfaction that you believe can be found in the world, hunger and thirst after the one who could give you life eternal. The goal of spiritual hunger for the believer is this. It's a word called sanctification. And for believers who have received Christ's righteousness into their lives, they are holy in position, but still sinful in practice. And they, therefore, they hunger and they thirst uh, uh, after righteousness, understanding that their hunger and thirst is not only holy on the inside, but it's holy on the outside as well. No believer ever, quote-unquote, arrives spiritually in this life. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever met someone you said, that person walks really close to God? Have you ever met someone like that? Sure you have. But you know that person could walk still a little closer to God? 
And here's what separates us is our sinful nature. And uh, Paul prayed for the Philippians that their love might abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Remember the tense of their verbs. It's a continuous hunger and thirst. It's not a one time. Oh, we love Psalm 23 because the Lord is our shepherd and he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. In other words, I am always needing to eat and always needing to drink. Well, discovery number three, if I do this, Pastor Armstrong, what are the results of this journey called spiritual hunger? What are the results? What can I expect from this? The Bible says this, those who hunger and thirst, gives us the answer, shall be filled. The Greek word for filled is chorizo. This is often used to describe the feeding of animals until they're so full that they can eat no more. When we hunger for God, he'll make every day like a Thanksgiving day. In just a couple months, we will experience Thanksgiving, and we can sit back, and we know there's going to be ham and turkey and all the fixings, and, and then you're so miserable you have to take the afternoon nap. May I just tell you, when you hunger and thirst and you stuff your life with the righteousness of God, it's like you can sit back, and there's a satisfaction that can only be known with the filling of the righteousness of God. If this speaks of a continuous hunger and thirst, how can we ever be filled? Do you, I ask you, how many of you have a favorite food? I mean, it's a, it's, you could eat it every day. How many of you have something? All right, turn to the person beside you. Tell them what your favorite thing to eat in the world is. All right? Okay. So we all have a favorite food. We all have something. And you know what? It's going to be different from every single section in this auditorium. Hundreds and hundreds of people. I guarantee you that, that whatever you just said is going to be different for everyone. But you honestly, or you're never filled with that. You eat it today, and guess what? You can eat it again tomorrow, and you can eat it again the next day. Now, it may not be healthy for you, but you can do it. The same thing is true of we... We get, we get full of God and we bask in that righteousness of God and He fills us. And then we come back and we do it all over again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Uh, you eat it until, it, uh, until you're absolutely full. And yet you could still, whatever that favorite food is, have it again tomorrow or the next day. Oh, for me it's chocolate ice cream. I love chocolate ice cream. Now, some people can get addicted to cocaine, and some people can get addicted to, to, to some uh, other strong drug. I could become addicted to chocolate ice cream. In fact, um, I've said it before, you could put every bottle of liquor in the entirety of the world, and I'd have zero temptation. You just put one little cup of ice cream in front of me. I'm going to be tempted. I love chocolate ice cream. I could eat it every day. But here's, there's, a, there's a side effect of eating chocolate ice cream every day, and I think you would know what that would be. I tell you that, and you smile, but I am convicted by telling you that story. Do I ever crave, respectfully, the chocolate ice cream that God can give me through His righteousness? Do I ever crave that? Oh, I can crave physically chocolate ice cream. And do not tempt me and bring it tonight, because we would have to take it home because we do not believe in waste. So do not bring me any chocolate ice cream. But do I ever crave 
the righteousness of God to the point that I am filled and satisfied. It's really like a spiritual paradox. The more I crave, the more he fills, and the more I crave above that, the more he fills. And there are many passages that reflect our satisfaction in seeking God. Just listen very quickly to some of these verses. Psalm 107, verse 9, For he satisfieth the longing soul. He filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 34, verse 10, The young lions do lack, and they suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. I tell you what, if you're struggling in this area, Psalm 34 and verse 10 is a great verse to write out on a 3 by 5 card. Put it on your, uh, uh, in your car or on your mirror. Psalm 23 and verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jeremiah 31 verse 14. And I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness saith the Lord. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, but whosoever drinketh the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He said to the crowds who had eaten when he fed the 5,000, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Do you have that kind of relationship? Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, what are the marks? Let me share with you very quickly, and we'll be finished this morning. There are six marks of spiritual hunger. There's going to be six identifying marks in your life if you crave the righteousness of God. So I'm going to ask you, are these a part of your life as we go through them? Allow me to share these six marks. First of all, there is dissatisfaction with one's spiritual life. If I'm craving, thirsting, hungering for the righteousness of God, there's a dissatisfaction with my own spiritual life. And like the Jews of Jesus' day, the person who is satisfied with his own goodness, they're never going to taste the righteousness of God. The Puritan Thomas Watson wrote, he has most need of righteousness that least wants it. Do you want more from your spiritual life, or do you joyfully wallow in the filth of your sin? Here's something that's interesting. Do you know that both pigs and cats get dirty? Both. The difference is the pig loves the filth, and the cat can't stand to be dirty, and it's always cleaning itself. We need to... Uh, we, we need to understand that, that, uh, that we need to be more like the cat than the pig and get out of the, and quit wallowing in our, the filthiness of our sin and our decisions that we make that drive a wedge between us and God. In other words, I've got to be dissatisfied with my life and the way it is before I can hunger and thirst after the things of God. We need to say with the Apostle Paul, Oh, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Secondly, a mark is that there must be a discontentment with earthly matters. There must be discontentment with earthly matters. I love music and interesting conversation and well-written books and entertaining movies just like you do. However, if I'm ever hungry, uh, none of those things satisfied me. I need food, not entertainment. And there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with good, wholesome entertainment. However, entertainment cannot fill the longings of the soul. Nothing but God's righteousness can fill the emptiness that's in our lives. And God designed us that way. God designed you to have an inner longing for something. 
I'm here to tell you that the thought process is broken if we think that inner longing, that inner craving, that inner desire is anything other than the righteousness of God. There's a third mark, and that is, is that there is going to be a desire for the Word of God. Do you desire the Word of God if you have a desire to hunger and thirst after righteousness? If you have a desire to be filled, then there must be a desire for the Word of God. God's Word is food for the hungry soul. The Bible says, man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. It's amazing that the Bible is often, is how often the Bible is read by hurting people. By the way, that's why the Gideons put Bibles in hotel rooms because hotel rooms are often the loneliest place in the earth. And people will turn to the Bible and how many testimonies we've heard from some businessman or businesswoman that was in, the, in, in their hotel room and they were looking for something and they pulled out that drawer uh, next to their bed and there was a Bible. We were, we were at the couple's retreat um, and Shelley said, look at this. The Book of Mormon was on top of the Word of God. I'm thankful to say that the Bible is the only book that's in that room today. <laughs> because there needs to be a desire for the Bible or the Word of God. Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You see, when we seek righteousness, when we desire righteousness, we have a great appetite for the Word of God. Now listen, I'm going to ask everyone to look up here for just a moment. I'd like to ask you a question that you're going to answer on the inside. When's the last time you read your Bible that was not at church or in growth group? When was the last time you read your Bible? And your Bible could be on your phone, I understand, or your Bible could be on an iPad, or you could have a copy of the Bible like I have this morning. But I just want to ask you, when was the last time you read your Bible? Well, let me just be blunt with you. If you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness and, the, and you want to experience the results of that to be filled with and to have that inner longing and that inner craving satisfied, it's going to be from people who desire to read the Word of God. Here's a fourth identifying mark. There is delight in all aspects of God. There is delight in being a Christian. How many of you have ever met a sad, grumpy Christian? Now, don't, don't elbow the person beside you, but, uh, but, but the reality is, is that there's a lot of people, you have to wonder, are they really delighting in the things of God? They seem to always be grumpy and contrary, and if they smiled, it would crack their makeup on their face. I mean, it's really, it's really, it's really sad to say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, my ticket is secured, I'm going to heaven and not delight in the things of God. A mark of a person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, one who delights in all aspects of God. You see, it's easy and pleasurable to enjoy the blessings of God's family um, and enjoy uh, blessings from God when it comes to prosperity and a good job and health. It's something else to find joy in the trials 
or the discipline of God in our life. Proverbs 27, verse 7 says, The full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. James 1 and verse 2 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Hebrews 12 and verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Watson wrote this. I mentioned him a moment ago. The one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness can feed on the myrrh of the gospel as well as the honey. I just wonder, do you delight in being a Christian? Is there joy in the good times and joy in the bad times? Is there joy when things are looking up and joy when things are looking rough? Someone who hungers and thirsts after righteousness is someone that will be filled who delights in the aspects of God. There's a fifth mark, and there is determination in the service of God. There is determination in the service of God. When we truly desire righteousness, we seek and we accept God's righteousness without any preconceived conditions. We do not pray our prayer like this. God, if you will... Get me out of this financial trouble, then I will be faithful to church. There's a lot of people who pray conditional prayers. Oh, God, if you would just let me have this promotion, I promise to give you 12% instead of 10%. We don't bargain with God. We don't make that a condition of our prayer. But there is a determination in the service of God. You know what we pray? We don't say if. We say, God, I will. I will be faithful to church. I seek him in a simple faith. The rich young ruler, do you remember him? The rich young ruler, he only wanted God's righteousness if it fit into his plans. We cannot seek God that way. We accept whatever he chooses to give us and how he blesses us. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these things will be added unto you. He must, uh, uh, we, we must be determined uh, to serve God and let him provide all the results. I, I trust that there'll be several hundred people that would determine to be a part of our missions conference. You say, you just guilted us. Well, determined to be involved in your church. Determined to make a difference in your church. Determined to make a difference for the cause of Christ. You've been in fear and trembling to witness to a co-worker. Determined that I delight my relationship. I delight in him so much. I'm going to determine to serve him and tell my co-workers and my family and my friends about him. Now here is the great thing. And that Mark... Uh, when we talk about the results, let me share with you the sixth thing. And everybody listen, because this is pretty cool. The Bible says this, we have a deposit of rewards awaiting us in heaven when we hunger and thirst after the things of God. One day for the Christian, we're going to stand or bow. I believe we'll probably be bowing at the judgment seat of Christ. And we will receive amazing, unspeakable rewards for what we have done for Christ in this lifetime. Now, there's some people that have done some good things for your own fame and your own recognition and for your own attaboy. And so somebody would pat you on the shoulder and there will be no reward. That will be burned up by fire, wood, hay, stubble. There won't be anything left. But those who give their life 
whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you have talents or a few talents, it doesn't matter. Every single person in here is eligible to receive rewards one day in heaven when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Frankly, the deathbed confession for sin and the Savior will be met with no rewards. There's nothing that was done in this lifetime, but that person will have the, the, the fire sin smell of hell on his, on his garment when he goes to heaven. And so I implore you to serve God right now. Don't, don't just barely get to heaven by the, uh, the hair of your chinny-chin-chin as the saying goes. I'm saying serve God now. Sigmund Freud had a favorite story about a sailor who was shipwrecked on a remote South Sea island. And he was seized uh, by the natives and he was placed on their shoulders and he was seated on this crude throne on this island. He later learned that it was their custom to make someone king for one year. And the new kings, they were pampered and they were honored and they were obeyed without question for 12 months. At the end of the year, however, they were banished to another island where they starved to death. Well, this sailor who had been abandoned at sea and been found by these natives, he did not like that. But he was a smart king. And every day throughout his reign, he would put men together making boats and transplanting fruit trees and, uh, to the banishment island and growing crops and build a house over there. At the end of his rule, he was not banished to an island of starvation, but he was banished to a tropical paradise. Hmm. What do I get out of that story? Here's what I get. If we waste our time now in pursuit of pleasure and power and acceptance and fortune and fame, we'll have little or nothing in eternity. But if we spend our lives in pursuit of righteousness, the Bible says there's going to be a tropical paradise. We will be rewarded for all of eternity. What did Jesus say? Lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. You have a choice. You can lay up treasures on earth, or you can lay up treasures in heaven. And everyone here today, everyone under the sound of my voice, you are laying up treasures. Right now, where are you laying up your treasures? Where are your treasures today? Are they here on earth, or are they in heaven? Father, thank you so much for the great attention, minimal distractions, Father, forgive me for not hungering and thirsting after you as I should. And I pray that you will help me to be a better example to hunger and thirst after the things of God. Lord, I'd ask that you would help each one of us to also have a hunger and thirst. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The first question is simply this. Have you hungered and thirsted for God because you know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Have you ever acknowledged Him and called out to Him and said, Lord, I believe. Please be my Lord and Savior. Have you ever entered into a personal relationship? If you've never done that, I beg you today, that's the first most important step is to trust Jesus. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God, that is the gift that Jesus gave this earth 2,000 years ago when he died, was buried, and rose again. 
but the gift of God is eternal life. If you've never trusted Jesus, I beg you to do what Romans 10 and verse 13 says. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. And he said this, thou shalt be saved. You could do that in your seat right now. And I would encourage you to do that. But the vast majority of those under the sound of my voice are people who are saved. You do have a relationship. You have trusted Christ. But I would like to ask you, do you have the identifying marks? If we were to examine your life, do you delight in the things of God? Do you desire to read the Word of God? Are those things evident in your life? That you hunger and thirst after the things of God. The Bible says this, one day there's going to be rich rewards for those who hunger and thirst. There's going to be a feeling like we've never ever seen because those things that we do for Christ shall last for all of eternity. Do you hunger and thirst after the things of God?